Well, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. This, we'll just start there. Let me just open mine up to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at a, a number of things tonight. I hope it'll be interesting to you. I've, I've taught some of this before, but not necessarily in a class like this. We're going to we're continuing our study of what we're calling 12 Key Biblical Truths. We're looking at a number of places in the Bible with that the goal, you know, things that we need to know. Our goal is that we can know it, we can communicate it, we can pass it on. The goal of this study, I want you to think about this. It's not just for you to get this information, put it around in a notebook. It's that you to have a good understanding of these things so that you can talk to people when people say bring things up, especially especially giving. Listen, the, the giving that we talk about in the Bible is totally different than I asked you, was it last week? I asked you how many of you were taught you need to give a tenth? How many raised your hand? Everybody in this room raised your hand. But when you look at the scripture, does the scripture say you're to give a tenth? If you're going to put yourself under a law system, you need to give 20% every year, 30% every three years, and you have to take it to the storehouse of the temple. There is no temple. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just kind of a mess. So, we, we need to understand that, uh, how, how to teach these things and how to, how to pass them on. Let, let me remind you of sort of what we've been seeing. We started with truths dealing with salvation. And we looked at the first one was the story of the Bible, which is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself. How? Using his son, Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. It's reconciliation. Then we said being saved three times. It sounded kind of funny, but God's salvation plan is justification, sanctification, and glorification. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Then we talked about eternal life or temporary life. And we talked about the fact that when you believe, you have eternal life. You're secure and secure forever. And you should have the assurance of that. You should understand and know that you have eternal life. Then we started dealing with truths. Uh, with with the Christian life, and we said the two greats, which deal with loving and equipping, the great the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and love your neighbor yourself, and then the great commission, which is to make disciples. And then we said, why do we run the race of the Christian life? And we spent some time looking at rewards. Now, let me just tell you, most people don't understand rewards. Most people don't teach rewards. In fact, a lot of people teach that salvation is the reward. You live good, you do what's right, you you can either believe and then live good, and then you get the reward of going into heaven, or either you got to do good things all the way, and then you get the reward to go into heaven. We know that salvation is a gift. It is not a reward. That running the race of the Christian life, serving God, is where you get the rewards. And then last time we saw truths dealing with biblical giving, which I think is really good, and, and I think that that'll help you. L listen, if you say, but all my life I've given a tenth, you can give a tenth all you want to. You can purpose in your heart. You can decide to say that what I'm going to do is give away a tenth of everything I have. That's not putting you under a law system. That's just saying I purpose in my heart what I decide to give so you can do all that you want to do in this lesson we're going to deal with sacrifices and when you think about a sacrifice what do you think of when you think of a sacrifice when you think of the bible I think, I think of going back to Old Testament and they're bringing this animal up there and the priest comes out and they put their hand on the animal and they kill it and the blood goes everywhere and they put it up on the altar. That's what I think about. I think about the, all those different sacrifices. And, and yet at, we realize that a point in time in history, Jesus Christ came and offered the final sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin forever. And so we go, wow, sacrifices are over. Well, so here's the question. Do we offer sacrifices today as believers? And most people would say, no, no, because Jesus is the final sacrifice and all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were just for a certain thing. And then when Jesus came and died and paid for all sin, he's the final sacrifice for sin forever. Notice, he is the final sacrifice for sin forever, but he's not the final sacrifice. And we're going to, the answer is yes. We, do we offer sacrifices today as believers? The answer is yes. And as we go through this lesson, we're going to see how that fits together as some great truths. Now, uh, you notice that we don't have an altar thing, and, and we're bringing up animals and killing them. So we got an idea that it's probably not going to be animal sacrifices. We'll see how it ties together. Well, in the beginning, we saw the fall of mankind. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, put them in there. It was fantastic. They had fellowship with each other, fellowship with God. Then Satan came and fooled her, fooled her, and he's standing right beside her, by the way. When, if you, you've, we studied this before in, in, in some of my other classes, but if you have this idea that here's Satan, here's Satan and he comes to Eve, and she's by herself, and he talks to her, and she eats the fruit, and that Adam is like somewhere out in the field, the answer is no, he's right there beside her. The way it's written in the Hebrew when it says, she ate and gave to him, and he ate, it, it implies that it happened right then. And so they fell, and, and there was sin, and, and fellowship was broken, but God came. 
God came to restore mankind. That's when you start thinking about how the perfect God brings sinful man back to, his, to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. God came and said, I'm going to restore mankind. I'm going to save mankind. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ said, I will provide a way. And he'll provide a way to save mankind. And that is the story of the Bible, how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the key. God made a promise that he would send the seed of woman to crush the head of the serpent, Genesis 3.15. So Genesis 3.15, seed of woman crushes the head of the serpent. Now that's a plan, that this seed of woman is the Messiah, is the Savior, is who we'd say is Jesus. Old Testament, Messiah, New Testament, Christos. That's the promise is he's coming and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to deal with the sin of mankind. That's going to be the plan. And then God did something that was amazing. So right here, Adam and Eve, they get the promise. I'm going to send the seed of the woman. It's going to crush the head of the serpent. And then he takes an animal and kills the animal. Probably right in front of them. And took the coats of skin and covered them up. And the blood of that animal was shed. And by the way. They had never seen death before. Nothing had ever died before. Can you imagine their thoughts when God killed an animal right in front of them and blood was shed? They probably went, what in the world? And he says, that's the result of sin. There's always death. And he said basically that that animal was going to be their substitute to cover their sin. And then one day, one day, the seed of woman is going to come and do what? Pay for sin. There's a difference between what animals and Old Testament sacrifices and all that did. They just cover sin. Jesus Christ paid for sin. And so what God did is he gave this pattern, this picture showing the coming Messiah that there would be this, there would be this one coming someday who would die, who would shed blood to be the substitute, to be the Messiah and the Savior. And so I want you to write down, when you think about sacrifices, there are three keys. Look at here. There is the covering of sin, the cover sin, to be the foreshadow of the coming sacrifice of the Messiah, the foreshadow of the sacrifice of the coming sacrifice of the Messiah, and to restore fellowship and worship. So if you want to write those down, this is, this is the big three, and we're going to be seeing them all the way through, that the key of sacrifices especially the Old Testament aspect, cover the sin, a foreshadow of the coming sacrifice, because when that animal died, that was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay for our sin. And then it was restoring fellowship and worship because they were separated from God. Wages of sin is what? Death. They're separated. Jesus Christ, God comes in there and takes care of all the things. Now they're back in the fellowship with God. So we think of the ultimate fulfillment of all this. It is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. Did y'all get that? those three things written down? I hope so, because bottom line is Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin. But notice carefully, but not the final sacrifice. And there are sacrifices today. I used to think when I first started studying the Bible and putting it together that when Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin, he was the final sacrifice for sin forever. That's true. I also thought that that was the end of all sacrifices. That's what I thought because I, I didn't know any better. I mean, I'm looking at it. I see all the Old Testament, all these animals being sacrificed, and then Jesus comes and dies in our place, and he's the final sacrifice for sin forever. And I thought, well, that's it. But that's not it. There are more sacrifices. And we'll see how it fits together. In fact, I want you to think about this. The past sacrifices were what? They were dead. They all died. And sacrifices today, we're going to look at them, are living sacrifices. And we'll see how that fits together. So there's a lot of good stuff we're going to see. If you want to go to the top of the next page, here's the four things we're going to look at tonight as we go through this. And, of course, as always, if you, have a, if you have a question or comment, just stop me. This is not just a lecture, okay? It's a, whenever you all have a question or comment, raise your hand. Just stop me, and we'll talk about it. Here are the four things we're going to look at as we go through this study. We're going to look up, first of all, the sacrifices in the Old Testament before the law. Then we're going to look at sacrifices in the Old Testament under the law. Then we're going to look at Jesus as the final sacrifice for sin, and then we're going to look at our sacrifices. 
And that means every one of us in this room who is a believer, who know Jesus Christ as Savior, who've trusted in Him for eternal life, we, we offer sacrifices. And we're going to talk about what they are, what kind, how, when, where, all of those kind of things in just a little bit. We'll get to it as we go through our passage. I'm going to give everybody time to get it written down. We are going to go through one, two, three, four, and we'll also be filling them in as we go. So if for some reason you don't get it all written down, you'll get it as you go through the study tonight. So sacrifice in the Old Testament before the law, sacrifice in the Old Testament under the law, Jesus as the final sacrifice for sin and the believer's sacrifices. Okay, we got it? Okay, here we go. Let's talk about sacrifices in the Old Testament before the law. And a lot of times people don't even realize that, but sacrifices began with the sacrifice that God did for Adam and Eve. God made a sacrifice for them. Remember, he killed that animal, whatever it was. Now, let me show you something. I want you to think about this. Understand, sacrifices do not bring salvation. Sacrifices don't have anything to do with salvation. Sacrifices are a picture. They're a foreshadow. They're a picture of something. Salvation is always by faith, Old Testament, New Testament. That's one thing a lot of people get confused on. I've had people say, in the Old Testament, you're saved by the law, and in the New Testament, you're saved by faith. Well, the law is only a certain period of time. So from Adam and Eve all the way to Moses, there wasn't any law. So if you've got to be saved by law, how could any of those people be saved? And so the bottom line, salvation is always by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Salvation is always by faith, whether it is Old Testament or the New Testament. And so understand that, that sacrifices do not bring the salvation. The sacrifices, and if you remember, I'm going to put this up again just for you to remember. Sacrifices were for believers to do what? Those three things. You don't have to write it down again. To cover sin, to be a foreshadow of the Messiah, the coming Messiah and Savior, and to restore fellowship and worship. We wrote that down a while ago. But I want you to grasp that. Give this. God gave the picture of Adam and Eve. Now, after Adam and Eve, did they have any kids? Who'd they have? Cain and Abel. Okay, and, and Seth, of course. But we don't know how many kids they had. They may have had 100 kids. May have 200, 300 kids. We have no idea. They lived 900 years. Listen, when Cain and Abel got their wives, where did they get their wives from? They weren't other people. I mean, years went by, they had kids, and then they had kids, and they had kids, and everybody else. There's people everywhere. Ultimately, all from the same one family of Adam and Eve, but we all came from them. So they had two sons, Cain and Abel, and guess what they were going to do? It says, at the end of the days, which means the end of the week, they came to worship God, and they were bringing a what? What were they bringing? Do you know? Sacrifices. Now, one of them brought an animal sacrifice. Who was that? That was Abel. Abel had this, uh, this animal, and he decided to bring it to God, and he was going to kill it, and the blood would be shed, and that was a picture of what? Of the coming Messiah and Savior. And the other one said, I'm not bringing that. I'm bringing what? I'm bringing a turnip, right? Because you can't get blood out of a turnip, right? Okay, so he's going to bring this turnip. And so what happened? God said to Abel, good job. That's the picture. God said to Cain, not a good job. That's not the picture, and you know it. You know, this wasn't the first time they ever offered a sacrifice in their lives. They were grown men. Okay? And, and so, God says, hey, sin's crashing at the door. <laughs> it's trying to overpower you. You know what to do if you do right. So what did Cain do? Cain said, God wants blood. I'll give him blood. He killed his brother. And God said, your blood shouts from the ground of your brother. So they were coming to bring a what? A sacrifice. Think about that. Noah. Noah, how, let, me, let me throw some, let's do a little Bible questions. How, how many days did it rain? 40. 40 days and 40 nights. How long were they on the ark? 317 days, okay? So when they got off the ark, what did Noah do? Now don't say he went and got drunk, because he did. What did he do the first thing that he did when he got off the ark? He offered a sacrifice, okay? That's what he did. He offered a sacrifice. Um, Job, the book of Job. Job lived at the same time of Abraham. Job had children, guys, daughters, and sons, and everything. And what would he do on a weekly basis? He offered sacrifices for his family and for himself. We find that Abraham offered sacrifices for his family. We find that at that time, the head of the family, that'd be the dad, that'd be the man, his job was to offer sacrifices for his family. What was the sacrifice for? Covered sin was a foreshadow of what? The 
coming Messiah and Savior and restore fellowship and suffering. See, if you brought some fruit of the ground and put it down there, that, that's not a foreshadow of the Messiah. Okay? So that's why Abel's, uh, Cain's wasn't very good. And so we saw that. So before the law, the sacrifices followed that pattern. Covered sin, foreshadow, restored fellowship. And, and so now let's continue and let's see sacrifices in the Old Testament under the law. Now, if you've ever read uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you'll find that they got sacrifices all the time. They got a, at, at the tabernacle, they had a sacrifice in the morning. You had a sacrifice in the evening, 9 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you had one every Sabbath day, and then you had all these festivals and feast days, and you offered sometimes 30 and 40 and 50 at a, at a time, and then everybody brought sacrifices and all those kind of things. So when you start looking at the Old Testament, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of animals being killed. Now, what was the purpose of these sacrifices? To cover sin, foreshadow of the Messiah, and to restore fellowship and worship. That's the bottom line. So when we move to the law system, God gave the people of Israel a special thing. Now, I want to erase this just for a second and remind you of something. Okay, the nation of Israel, how did they end up, how did they get down into Egypt? Huh? There was a famine. See, and Joseph got, got thrown into prison basically down there, and then he rose up to be a number two behind Pharaoh, and there was a famine coming because he read of the dream, and his family came down there. There were 75 people in, in the family, 75, when they went down to Egypt. And 400 years later, there were two, two, two million when they came out. And when they came out, they came out, and God took them, and they went from Egypt to Mount Mount uh, Horeb or Mount Sinai and there he gave them the law 613 commandments and he set apart these people and he gave them something special he gave them a law system and he gave them a sacrificial system now I want to remind you of something there were 12 tribes actually 13 because Joseph had Ephraim and Manasseh and they were double but one of the tribes the tribe of Levite did not get any land why did they not get land when they got ready to go into the, the place and we talked about this last week when we talked about giving why did they not get land because their job was to take care of the tabernacle and the temple and so this one group of people called the Levites and with Aaron who was he was the first high priest they they didn't get land. They got 48 cities. And then because they didn't get land, God said, okay, we're going to have this law and we're going to set up a sacrificial system. And when people do things, they can bring sacrifices. And this tribe of Levi, their job, and Aaron, is to be the priest to take care of all that. And since they don't get land, what we're going to do is have people give. What were they called? What kind of giving was that called? Tithes. And there were three of them, and it was to take care of the priest and the tabernacle and everything. Okay, so God gave these people, God gave the Jewish people a law to set them apart, and under the law was a sacrificial system by the tribe of Levi and the family of Aaron. And people brought sacrifices. And remember, it was to cover sin, restore fellowship, and the foreshadow of the Messiah. Now, when you think about it, I've got here on your page, I've got five major offerings, five major sacrifices. And to be honest, let me just say this. To be honest, sometimes we say, I don't care. We're not under the sacrificial system. Why do I even care what the sacrifices were that the Jewish people had to do? Well, remember, they're all foreshadows. But I want to show you something. Here they are, and you can write them down. And I'm going to give you just a minute to write them down because I think it's, it's important. There are a lot more aspects of it found through there. But in the Leverka Leviticus, here are the five major offerings that you're going to see were offered at the, at, at, for the Jewish people. A burnt offering, a grain offering, a peace offering, a sin offering, and a guilt and trespass offering. That's what they were called. They all had these names. And I put some verses for you. And if you want to put them down, fine. You don't have to. It's, it, I mean, if you, if you want to sometime go look those up. But it, the, the truth is, it was for the nation of Israel. It was how they worshipped God, how they covered sin, how they offered sacrifices, how they looked at the foreshadow of the coming Messiah. And there were these different things. Now, let me ask you a question. When you sin today, what do you do? You what? Not you what? You, you, you confess? Isn't that right? You confess your sins? He's faithful and just to forgive you. What did they do when they sinned? If you were Jewish, 
and you lived at this time and you sinned, what did you do? Huh? You had to bring an offering. You had to bring something. Okay, so let's talk about them. Everybody got them written down? You don't have to write every verse, but I'm going to give you a second to just to get it. Everybody pretty much got them? Okay, so let's talk about them. And here's the first one. It's called a burnt offering. Now, here's what a burnt offering was. It was devotion to God. Here's what you did. This had nothing to do with sin. If you decided, I want my life to count for God. I want to, I want, I want to do whatever God wants me to do. You could bring an animal up there and put your hands on top of it and say, I want my life to count for God. And they kill this animal, and they burn it all the way up. There was nothing left. It was completely, it, did, it didn't just cook something. It burned it completely up. And that was called a burnt offering, and it was a consecrated life. So in that day and time, if you wanted to, to say to God, I want my life to count for you, you'd bring a burnt offering, okay? Then there's one called the grain offering. And the grain offering was something out of the field, and it was a devotion to God. And you could make a, a little cake thing or a, a piece of bread-looking thing. And sometimes they had a drink offering with it, which was, and you would bring those up there to God, and it expressed your thanksgiving for what God has done for you. And you'd say, I'd like to bring this to God because he's provided for my family. And it had nothing to do with sin. It was, it was, it was just like uh, you're just thanking God. There's a third one. And it's called a peace offering. Now, you're going to like this one because they brought an animal and they killed it. It's sometimes called a Thanksgiving fellowship offering. You would come with an animal. You would meet the priest. You would kill the animal. They would cook it, and then you'd have a picnic. And the priest would get some of the food, and you would get some of the food, and it set you apart, and it was called a peace offering, and you're just thankful to God. It's connected with what they called a wave offering, because sometimes you'd kill this animal, and before you ate it, you picked it up, and you waved it to God like this, saying, thank you, God. Thank you for this, thank you for this meat. And that was called a peace offering. And so we say, well, once again, none of these really deal with us, and yet at the same time they do, and we'll see in a minute. The this is called a sin offering. And this was a purification type thing. It was also for sin. Uh, if you did something and you recognize you did it, you could bring an animal and you could put your hands on top of that animal and, it was, and, and, and basically saying, my sins are covered by this animal. Remember, the, all sacrifices in the Old Testament covered sin they did not pay for sin they covered sin and so you could bring this type of sacrifice called a sin offering and then there's one more and it's called a guilt or a trespass offering and it was for call what we call unintentional sins you ever heard of a presumptuous sin in the bible you ever read it david says lord keep me from presumptuous sins what are presumptuous sins do you know huh you plan to do it. You said, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to lust. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, it's called a presumptuous sin. There wasn't a sacrifice in the Old Testament for a presumptuous sin. You just took whatever discipline God decided to give you. But, but if an unintentional sin, you didn't plan it. You just did it. And you say, oh, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't want. And so you could bring the guilt of the trespass offering. And it would deal with the sin. And so if you remember... All of these, and I think I have it, all of these sacrifices, what were they for? Cover sin, foreshadow of the Messiah, and restore fellowship and worship. So you look at this and you say, you're saying the same thing over and over. Exactly. That's what they're for. That's what they're for. Okay, so we've seen sacrifices, and we've seen these Old Testament sacrifices, and we saw before the law, and we saw under the law. Now, for all of us, we say, well, this doesn't even relate to us. Well, it doesn't at this point, and we'll talk more in a minute. So here's one of the great truths that we all know. No sacrifice, even those dealing with sin, could take away sin. You realize that any sacrifice from Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus never dealt with sin. What did it do? Covered up sin, but he couldn't pay for sin. In fact, look at this right here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things. By the way, what is the good things to come? Huh? What is it? 
I couldn't hear you. It's Jesus. It's payment for sin. Yeah, for the law, it's just a shadow. What's the shadow of the law? They take an animal, they kill it, and that animal dies in your place and covers your sin. That's just a shadow of the good thing to come because Jesus is going to die on the cross and take your sin upon himself, and he's going to do what? Pay for your sin. That's a totally different thing. The law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the very form of things, and can never, by the same sacrifices which they offered continually, year by year, make perfect those who drew near. The sacrifices of animals can't do anything. The sacrificial system, all of those sacrifices from Adam and Eve and to Noah and to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and under the law and Moses and uh, David and Daniel and all these people, all of those sacrifices can never, never take away sin. All they do is cover sin. It's called atonement. Atonement is a covering. That's what it means. And so... The law was just a shadow, but the law pointed to Jesus Christ. In fact, have you ever thought about this? I'm just looking at the climb because have you ever realized that everything in the Old Testament just about points to Jesus Christ? From Adam and Eve and their, the, 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 the killing of that animal pointed to Jesus Christ. To Noah and getting in the ark pointed to Jesus Christ. From Abraham being the, the blessing coming through him pointed to Jesus Christ. When you get the Mosaic law, all of the law is the character of God. When you look at the high priest, Jesus is the great high priest. When you look at the sacrifices, he's the final sacrifice. When you look at the tabernacle, every aspect of the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ. Every feast day is a picture of Jesus Christ. Everything fits. And so sometime I did a study, uh, it's been a couple of years ago, and we looked at it in the book of Genesis, and I spent a little bit of time in studying Genesis. We called it the patriarchs. We looked at some of the things like that, and the Old Testament and how it fits together. I've done a study, and I'm thinking about doing it again, maybe in grow groups sometime, on, what, on the tabernacle. And how it is a picture of Jesus Christ. Everything is amazing. So, uh, Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise. Now, watch this. The law could not deal with it. Hebrews 10.4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Why? Why did it cover? Why couldn't it pay for why can the blood why is it impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin? Huh? Not a person. Wait a minute. What what are y'all telling me? That the payment the payment of sin it, it's not an animal's blood can't do it? Well, what kind of blood can do it? A person's let me ask you this question. Does God want human sacrifice? No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I went, yeah, you yeah, he wants a human sacrifice, right? The only blood that can pay for human beings' sins is the blood of a perfect human being. An animal can't pay for our sin. Only a person can pay for our sin. There's only been one person eligible, able to pay for our sin. That's who? Jesus Christ, because he's perfect. And so when it says here it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, it is impossible because bulls and goats are animals and they can't pay for a person's sins. So, so now let's get to something that's going to be more fun. And that's at... Uh, all the way over there, I didn't even move my pages. Let's move to number three. Let's see Jesus as the final sacrifice for sin. Oh, this is so Incredible! Jesus is the promised Messiah. Let me let me remind you of something. Here's Adam and Eve. What's the promise? Seed of what? The woman's gonna come crush the head of the serpent, and then you get down to Abraham, and it's something else. You get you get all the way down until here comes Jesus, and he's the final sacrifice for sin forever. He's the one. He is the final sacrifice. Let me put this up here for you. Do you realize that? 
He's the fulfillment. He's the seed of woman who crushes the head of the serpent. He's the seed of Abraham who blesses the entire world. He's the son of David who's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's the son of man who sets up a kingdom that never end. He's the son of Mary who's both the savior and the king. He's the son of God in which he is well pleased. And he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to write that down. I just put that there for you. Who is Jesus Christ? You can take it and trace him all the way through the Bible from the seed of woman in Genesis 3 to the seed of Abraham in Genesis 12 to the son of David in 2 Samuel 7 to the son of man in Daniel chapter 7 to the son of Mary in Luke chapter 1 to the son of God in, in basically Matthew 3 or 4 and to the Lamb of God in John 1.29. You can take it all the way through the Bible. That's who he is. He is our fulfillment. And what did he do? The Levitical priest... I'm going to draw something for you, okay? Just watch this for a second. I majored in art. Okay, so, all right. This is the tabernacle. And if you are Jewish, you're out here, and this is a, this is a, a tent around it, and there's a gate, and you come in this gate, and there's an altar that's made out of bronze. This is where they offer the sacrifices. And there's this round thing right here which has water in it. It's called the lever. And then you go into this front room and over here is a candlestick. And over here is a table with 12 loaves of bread on it. And over here is a little altar of incense. And, and then in the back room is the Ark of the Covenant which is made out of wood and gold and covered over with a gold top. This is a picture of Christ. He's the sacrifice. He's the one that cleanses. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the one that offers intercession. And he is the God-man. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. So watch. Every, every day, people came and they came in. And there were priests. And they're all right here. And if you notice, I did not draw a chair. The priest never sat down. When they started the job, people would walk in, they'd bring animals, they'd sacrifice the animals, and people would leave. And the next priest would come in, and they would do all this, and they did this over and over again. Now watch, it says, every priest stands. Notice, it didn't say sits. It says, every priest stands daily, ministering and offering what? Time after time, the same sacrifices, which could do what? Never take away sin. So if, if you're at the time of Jesus... You come up and you'd say, I, I really blew it, and so I'm bringing this animal as a trespass or a sin offering, and you put your hands on it, and it identifies your sin to that animal, and the priest kills it and puts it up on that altar. And after all that's done, then you leave. And the priest says, next, next. And they had different orders of priests. They had them set up. And they worked at a certain period of time. And then they'd go home. And then they'd come back. There were different orders. And some priests were chosen to get to go in and burn the incense. That's John the Baptist's daddy got to go in there and burn the incense. So that's their job. And so every priest stands daily, offering time after time after time. But what did Jesus Christ do? When he offered one sacrifice for sin... What? For what? All time. What did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did these priests ever sit down? No. Did he sit down? Why? Because he offered what? One sacrifice for sin forever. He's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's the blood of the perfect human being. Right? The God-man. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Where's Jesus right now? Right See down at the right hand of the throne. Why? Why is he sitting there? What? It's, it's finished. Exactly. The, the priest, notice this, they offered every day the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It could never take away sin. That's why they offered the same thing over and over and over because it never took away sin. But when he, Jesus, offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did it all. It's over. That is the final sacrifice for sin. Now watch. He finished the work. First Peter 2.24, he bore in his body our what? Sins. He did. Did he pay for our sins? Did Jesus pay for the sins of every human being? First John 2.2, 2 is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. He's the payment. Now, I've got something 
if you've never seen this before, you'll, be, you'll, you'll love it. Uh, many of you have seen it because I've taught this before. So Jesus offered the final sacrifice for sin. Who served in this tabernacle? Okay, Levi's. And it was a earthly tabernacle, right? Was it on this earth? Yeah. And what tribe did you have to be from? Levi. Levi. How did they know how to build this? You know, when did they, when did they get the instructions to build this? There at Mount Sinai, God gave them the instructions, right? Do you know what he told? Who was, who was it he gave the instructions to? Moses. You know what he told him? I want you to make this after the pattern of the one in heaven. Do you know that there's, there's a tabernacle in heaven? Looks just like this. <laughs> Looks just like this. Looks just like that. This one on earth is patterned after one in heaven. And you go, really? And so when Jesus offered his final sacrifice for sin, where did he do it? Did he do it here? He wasn't in Jerusalem, was he? Where was he? He's outside Jerusalem on a cross. He wasn't in here, was he? He didn't die right there, did he? Where did he die? On the cross. Did he offer himself in a tabernacle? I want to show you something. Hebrews 9.11 When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come. This is the old things. This is the good things to come. Watch. He entered through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. Not on this. Not, that is to say, not of this creation. Is this one of this creation? Yes or no? Yes. yes. This one isn't. Watch what he says. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Do you understand that when Jesus died and paid for our sins, he went into heaven, took his blood into a heavenly tabernacle, and poured it out. Through the, not through the blood of bulls and goats, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place and obtained eternal redemption for us. He shed his own blood to pay for our sins. He is the final sacrifice for sin forever. So understand that. Now, here's the question. Let me raise this question to you. I'm looking at time. we got a few minutes. When did Jesus take his blood into the tabernacle in heaven? Okay, we, we know he was on the cross, and we know that he was separated from the Father on the cross and paid for our sins then. That was before he died physically. Then he died physically and was in the grave three days and three nights. So when did he take it? Did he take his blood into the tabernacle during the three days and three nights he was in the heart of the earth? We don't know. Did he, when he walked on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection, during that 40-day time period, since he appeared sometimes and disappeared sometimes, did he take his blood to the tabernacle in heavenly places? We don't know. When he ascended into heaven at the end of the 40 days and ascended to heaven and they watched him go, did he take his blood then into the tabernacle in heaven? We don't know. We have no idea when he did it. <clears throat> it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us at all. But we do know that he took his blood into the tabernacle in the heavenly places and poured it out for us as the final sacrifice for sin forever. So Jesus paid for sin, didn't cover it. He, is, he fulfilled the promise of the coming Messiah and he restored fellowship and worship. Remember those three things? So Jesus fulfilled, he, he paid for sin. You can put it any way you want. He got fulfilled the promise of the Messiah. He paid for the sin, didn't cover it, and he restored fellowship. How many of you have, have not heard that Jesus took his blood into a holy place in the heavenly places? Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. We, well, I don't know. Well, okay, well, let, me, let me throw this out. Why would he have to do that? Because he would have paid for sin. 
Okay, okay but did he already paid for sin when he was separated on the cross. Remember, he said, it is finished. So one thing about it, this event, we have no idea. We know it had to happen after he died on the cross. Let's put it that way. But when did he do it? We don't know. Okay. Uh, we got to go. Yeah. 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 Two different. Yeah. And it could be two different times. Who knows? Okay. Now let's, let's, um, we got to get to us. Okay. Cause here we are. Right. We got about 15 minutes. So I think I can do it if I talk fast. No, I'll talk slow. I'll talk slow. Okay. The believers sacrifices. Okay, here we go. All right, so remember, what do we remember? That Jesus is the final sacrifice. He's the Savior. He's the fulfillment. He paid for sin. He didn't cover sin. I mean, he's everything. That's who he is. So let's talk about our sacrifices. What sacrifices do we offer? We offer spiritual sacrifices. I'm going to read to you. Listen to this. This is First Peter. And I love it. And, and uh, you, you, let's listen to what he says. First Peter he says, you, talking about us, are living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house. What is that? What's the spiritual house we're being built up? What is it? It's not hard. What is it? It's the church. The church. We're the spiritual house. We're the body of Christ. We're the building. We're that. And he says, you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Every one of us are what? We're priests. You go, really? Yeah. Okay. And then he says, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We come to God through Christ as priests and we offer what kind of sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices. Remember this, the blood of animals can't take away sin. Jesus Christ came and done it all already. And so he, we do not offer up animal sacrifices because it's already, the, 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 that part is already done. So we offer up what kind of sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices. So what are they? There are four sacrifices that we get to offer. Okay? Let's see what they are. We offer, first of all, ourselves. We offer ourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Paul says, I, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me put this up there. We offer what? What's a sacrifice we can offer? Our lives, ourselves. It's, it's a spiritual sacrifice, and it's a live sacrifice. The sacrifice in the Old Testament, what kind of sacrifices? Dead sacrifices. There's an old saying that says the problem with living sacrifices is we keep crawling off the altar, Right? And so, yeah, so think about it, Roman. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Listen, we offer our bodies. We give to God our lives. Do you know that's the same as the burnt offering in the Old Testament? Burnt offering, you brought an animal, it burned it completely up, and you said to God, take my life. Now, instead of offering an animal as a sacrifice, you come up and say to God, I give you my life. I want my life to count for you. And he says, which is your spiritual service, that holy, holy acceptable to God. Our lives are set apart for God. It's spiritual service. And then I love this part. He says, stop being conformed to the world, being shaped to this world, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, stop letting this world shape you. You remember the saying that I say all the time? I say, if you're not consciously being transformed by the word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. If you're not consciously being transformed by the word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to the world. That's why Paul says, stop being conformed to this world and be transformed. So let me ask you a question. This is probably the biggest sacrifice you offer. It's your life. Huh? It's, a, it's, really, it's a sanctification base, but, but it, it's also one that costs you. See, salvation costs you nothing, but offering this sacrifice costs you what? Your life. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, listen, it was a big, I trusted Christ. I believed in Jesus Christ when I was in college. I was 19 years old. It wasn't until I was 23, 24 years old, I was coaching at Mississippi State. I got to a point where I was really miserable about a lot of things because I knew that I wasn't living for Christ. I knew I was supposed to. And one night I came home from football spring training. I came into my little apartment and I said to God, I give you my life. I'm 
tired of not living right. I, I know that you want me to live for you. And so tonight, from this point on, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I want my life to count for you. I offered a living sacrifice. I offered that as a sacrifice. And that's the first one we can offer. That's one of the big ones that I think people can offer. And that, I mean, that costs you. Cost you dearly. So, so what's a sacrifice? A sacrifice can't be a sacrifice that doesn't cost you anything. You remember when David wanted to buy the land to put the ark on and, and, and the tabernacle part? And, and he talked to that guy and he said, I need to buy the land from you to build this on it. And the guy said, I'll give it to you. And he said, no, no, I can't. How can I have a sacrifice that costs me nothing? A sacrifice costs you what? It costs you your life. So that's the first one, okay? Here, and so we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. It's the same as a burnt offering. The second uh, sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. You may not realize this. I'm, I'm going to turn to Hebrews because Hebrews has all the rest of this stuff, and it's really exciting. In Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 15, he says, Through him let's offer up the sacrifice of praise with the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Do you realize... That when you come to church and you sing and pray and you're talking to God and you're singing the songs and you're thankful to God, you know what you're doing? You're offering what? Sacrifices to God. He says, let's offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. It's powerful. And what are we doing? We're thinking we're offering praise to God, who He is and what He's doing. See, I always say that worship is recognizing who God is and what He's doing. That's what worship is, is responding to God. So that's the second one, the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Now, the next two go together, but here's the third one, the sacrifice of doing good. <laughs> Listen to this, chapter 13, verse 16, he says, And do not neglect doing good, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. When you do good, when you go out and you help people, when you do the right thing, when you do good works, you're actually offering sacrifices to God. Look at this right here. I'm going to put these verses up. Ephesians 2.10, we're created for what? Good works. Titus 3.5 says, it is, it is important that all believers maintain what? Good works. Galatians 6.10, do good to all people. So when we do good, when you help somebody, when you do something, when you, when you do those kind of things, you're actually offering sacrifices to God. And you may not think about it, but that's true. You know, when you, let me ask you something. When you do something good for somebody, how do you feel about it? You feel good, don't you? And you go, wow. You know, one of the reasons why, you may not realize it, but you just offered something to God. You just did something that God says, thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for it. You did it. There's one more. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Sharing. <laughs> it, it, the Greek word for sharing is koinonia. And he actually says in the same verse, he says, Do not neglect sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And so I've got for you just a couple of verses to put down there. The Acts 4, 34 and 35, that's in an early church. People had needs. Other people said, look, I'll bring us up here. Give this to anybody that has a need. They shared. That was a sacrifice. Philippians 4, 18. I want to read this to you because the Philippians people sent money to Paul. And look what he says about it when they sent money to him. He said, I've received everything in full, and I have abundance, and I've received everything you've supplied to me from Epaphroditus. You sent as a fragrant aroma a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Do you realize when you give, that's a sacrifice? You remember we call it the morning what? Offering. It's a sacrifice. So when you give, when you do good, when you give your life, when you praise and thank God, all of those are sacrifices to God. And we get to do them. We still offer sacrifices. They're not dead sacrifices. They're not animal sacrifices. But they're this. Listen, so four sacrifices we can offer as priests. We offer ourselves. We offer praise and thanksgiving. We offer good works. And we offer sharing. That's what we do. And so... You may have said, yeah, well, in the Bible, all the sacrifices were dead animals. They were up to a point, and Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin forever. But God says, you're a spiritual house, and you're a spiritual priest, and you're offering spiritual what? Sacrifices to God. So, pretty powerful.
ourselves, praise and thanksgiving. So think about it. You come to church. Let's pretend you came to church, and when you came to church that day, you said, God, I want my life to count for you. And then you sing the songs and praise his name. And then you serve somewhere and help somebody. And then you come back and you give. You did all four sacrifices in one time. Think about that. So, believers offer not dead animals, but living sacrifices. May we realize that we offer our lives, our praise, our good works, and our giving. Okay, now let me give you the, uh, the applications real quickly, or just the, some major thoughts. Number one, let's understand that God is a sacrificial system throughout the Bible. And let me tell you, on these, you don't have to write down every word. Just say God has a, a system, a sacrificial system in the Bible. Throughout the Scripture, there's always sacrifices beginning with Adam and Eve, all the way through to us. All the way. So there's always sacrifices. Do you realize that in the millennial kingdom, there is a millennial temple, and there are sacrifices all the time? Have you ever read Ezekiel chapter... I think it's chapter... It's 40 through 48. He gives all of the sacrifices during the millennial kingdom in the temple. They're still offering, we will be offering, that we will see people offering animal sacrifices in the thousand-year reign of Christ. So God always has a sacrificial system. Number two, and you don't have to write all this down, understand the Old Testament, what it was doing. It covered sin, was a foreshadow, and restored fellowship and worship. Now, we've got that written down for the places, so you don't have to write every word down, but that's what they did. The sacrifices covered sin, foreshadow of the coming Messiah, and restored fellowship and worship. That's what sacrifices do. Everybody pretty much got it? Close? Old Testament covered sin, remember? Foreshadow the Messiah, restored fellowship and worship. Okay, here's no, of course, they're up there, so if you can keep writing if you want to. Number three, let's understand that Jesus is what? The final sacrifice for sin for all time. Will there ever be another sacrifice to deal with sin of mankind? Let me ask you a question while you're writing that down. Where are your sins? You sin, right? Anybody in here not sin? We've all sinned, right? We not only sin in the past, we're sinning in the present, and guess what? We're going to probably sin tomorrow, right? Where are our sins? They're on Jesus. Every sin you do has already been placed on Christ and already what? Paid for. Is sin the issue for salvation for any person? No. What's the issue for salvation? Faith. Salvation is always by faith. When people say, you know, repent of your sins, you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to stop doing this, you need to get your act together. So many people have always thought that how do you get saved? Well, you sort of clean up your life and you start going to church and you start trying to do what God wants you to do. Listen, salvation isn't turning your life around. Salvation is taking the gift of eternal life. And then as a believer, we want to start living righteously. All right, here's number four. Let's understand believers, as believers, we get to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices to God. We get to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Okay, and then I'm going to put the last one up that ties in with this. What are those sacrifices? Let's understand as believers we can offer what? Our lives, praise, good works, and giving as sacrifices to God. Our lives, praise, praise and thanksgiving basically go together there. Good works and giving as sacrifices to God. We get to do it. 